this this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye. You still don't understand what you're dealing with, do you? Perfect organism. We are ready, and welcome to episode six of our season one of Perfect Organism. I'm your host, Return Jamie. Of a podcast. Yes. <laughs> And we're talking about androids tonight, and uh, or today, or whatever, whatever time of day it is for you when you're listening to this. And there's a lot to talk about. And we're not talking about phones today, for those of us listening in. We're talking about synthetics. Yeah. The uh, robots, as you will, in the Alien series. And there's a lot we can say about them. Um, I'm definitely going in blind today. Uh, for those of us listening... Um, I just came back from a seven-hour film shoot today. I'm directing a short film for uh, school. So I'm just going straight in. This is all going to be live. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which is the best, really. And, you know, I was thinking about it, and there's a lot to talk about. But the first thing I want to talk about is one of the androids or robots that people never talk about is Mother from Alien. Oh, Um, yeah. You don't really hear too much about her. And she was, you know, I mean... There's a lot of tension between Mother and, and Ripley towards the end of it, of Alien. Like, uh, Ripley was trying to turn all the stuff off that she had done, like the, you know, the, uh, the self-destruct, and um, she wasn't getting the answers from Mother that she wanted to get, she wanted, and I don't know if Mother had, I don't know if Mother was um, programmed, if she was, a, if she was AI, or if she was just, um, what kind of droid she was. Um, I think she was, um, I believe she was just an Astromo's artificial intelligence, the Mother 6000. Um, I'm sure somebody can fact check that, but I believe her designation is the Mother 6000, M-U-T-H-U-R 6000 or something like that. And uh, basically she was just the, um, she was the ship that ran the ship essentially. Yeah. And And she had the voice of a female to give off the motherly vibe. And I think that kind of resonates in her voiceovers. Yeah. And then, you know, in aliens, um, there's also the, uh, uh, a female voice for the final countdown. Of course, there's no mother. They don't really refer to the, whatever's doing that final countdown in the end. Uh, but it was just very, very interesting. Um, I've, I've been thinking a lot about androids, of course, because that was going to be our topic this week. And um, just really wanted to kind of understand what Mother's role was and actually what she is. And I want to read more about it. Um, I want to kind of find out more if if Mother, because Mother felt like a character to me and feels like a character to me when I watch Alien, to some degree, you know. I think it's an interesting parallel in the Alien series with uh, the female gender and motherly figures. Yeah. So Mother is a nice parallel because she's kind of like the mother of the ship. You know, she's the one that keeps everybody in line and keeps them um, on track and informed. But it's also the um, the character or AI, if you will, that acts on ulterior motives. Um, in this case, it would be fed... Um, special order 937 from Wayland yutani that says, you know, cruise expendable, um, first priority one, bring back life form. So it's acting with ulterior motives, which isn't a very motherly thing, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a, an interesting dichotomy going on there. Um, and of course, Sigourney Weaver, you know, when she, or Ripley, when she's in that, in, in mother's control room 
And she's looking, she's like, I'll find my own answers now, thank you. And she did, and then she saw, you know, crew expendable. That moment of the interaction with her and mother, um, where she's just kind of terrified, like, oh my God, they don't like, give a shit. Wow, sh- this this just got real. Yeah. You know, I am nothing to the company that employs me and yeah. sends me millions of miles in the space. Yeah. And that's when Ash kind of creeps up and he's like, you know, there is an explanation for all this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Ash was uh, one, you know, just an incredible character. And, you know, of course, the reveal that he's an android was great. I mean, of course, I, I don't think. Genuine tra- surprise the first time I found that out. Yeah. I don't. I'm trying to remember when. <coughs> pardon me. When I found that out. I don't really remember. Um, but I do remember when I found out that watching uh, Aliens and I found out that Bishop was an android and it was very, very interesting. Certainly um, Ripley's relationship with androids is very, very interesting too where um, in Aliens she's looking at uh, Bishop with play with his kind of translucent white blood and she's like, you know, you know the line, you know. You didn't never say s- anything about an android being on board. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Um, and she's just adamant. And then Burke says... On Ripley's last trip out, the android malfunctioned. And she goes, malfunction? And I love that scene because Ripley's like, this android didn't malfunction. He was acting on orders. He was acting on orders from the company, and he was given to the crew of the Nostromo, like Dallas said, when they left Thetis, I believe. Yep. Um, and there's just, there's there's a lot there, you know. Obviously, the lore of or the, the alien universe, there's a lot of androids, you know. And I know that there's the ABCD um, Ash, Bishop, Call, and David, which uh, I just can go on record. Maybe if you want to talk about this, you can, but I, I'm i not going to talk about Call. I don't give a shit. She's a, <laughs> She was a horrible character. She wasn't even an android. She was just happy. They just called her one. Um, waste of uh, Winona Ryder's Total waste. It, and, you know, really, someone was, I was discussing this with somebody earlier today, Alien Resurrection, or maybe it was on the Wayland Utani Bulletin. Alien Resurrection is really, is really just, uh, it's like a fan fiction. It's like a expanded universe. It's oh, what if they cloned Ripley back? It has nothing to do with the Ripley that we knew, and the Ripley that we know is we're, we're going to see again. Um, so I, I don't know. I just and the fact that they called the ship Father in in Alien Resurrection. I mean, it was horrible. Oh my God, it was just. I can't even go on uh, enough about how awful that film is. <laughs> yeah, there's there's only so much bad things you can say about Resurrection. But the good thing about um, the first two series, the first two uh, entries in the series, is um, you have some really great dynamic between the human characters and um, the androids. Because in the first film, you just kind of have the cold science officer who just stands off and observes and then in Aliens, you have the reprogrammed, updated, top-shelf model um, android who's here to help everybody. He's smart. He can do anything. But he can't hurt people. It's in his programming to not hurt people. Absolutely. And you know what's interesting, too, about the the, the androids in the Alien saga? Most films that feature androids, typically the androids are female, and typically, typically they're built by men. Um, Blade Runner... Um, in this new movie, Ex Machina, um, a lot of androids are typically women built female androids. There's another one called the machine, which I recommend that's on Netflix. Again, a female Android built by men. Um, but in, except for call from alien resurrection, you have these male androids, um, 
that represent really the face of the company um, and the interests of the company, whether it was David, who I actually think David is one of the best things about Prometheus. Uh, the oh, way, absolutely. Yeah, the way that, uh, what's his name, um, Fassbender portrayed him, everything. He was just fascinating. Um, don't touch that, David. Please don't touch anything. Yeah. David, don't touch anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and uh, he did great. He yeah. was awesome. And that that, that one, um, uh, well, there's several, but that one, um, there's a couple of exchanges that David has with um, what's his name, uh, Holloway, oh. Holloway, oh, and he. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm blanking right now. Where they're about to go out. Um, they're about to go out to uh, the the big the temple ruin or whatever that is, um, and Holloway's like, "Why are you putting that on? Uh, you don't even breathe there." And David is like, "They you people designed me to look like you because it makes you more comfortable." Um, and really, yeah. David was kind of giving it to him like, "You're the one who made me like this." Like, you know, and, I'm just doing my job, dude. Yeah, and then later on, Holloway calls David boy. Um, there's some interesting, there, I, I feel like in some ways the, the relationship between David, um, and the crew, w- it was well done. Actually, the way that they looked at him as kind of a servant, he wasn't really real. He wasn't really, people didn't care. Even, um, Meredith. Even though like, um, going like what you were saying about the care thing, like even though he's programmed to not have emotions, it seemed like he kind of did care about the people that he served even if it was just his programming i kind of felt like that he cared a little bit yeah it was weird i mean i think david um david was a little bit uneven just in terms of uh he did seem like he cared in some ways about shaw but then all of a sudden like he Shaw wakes up after she collapsed after Holloway was killed and he says you're pregnant and whatever and then they go put her in cryo and she escapes and she goes to this tube and um, she has the the thing removed from her and then all of a sudden she goes to the infirmary and there's David almost acting like nothing had ever happened like not there's no oh, hey. like oh yeah hey how you doing like where's that thing that was just inside of you that I was telling you about um, there was no but a little bit on maybe not so much uneven yeah a little bit. Like, David seemed like that was his role to protect whatever it was she had, and then all of a sudden he just forgot about it. Um, but again, you know, David goes into the temple, and he's got Meredith Vickers patched in, and he finds something, but he's on orders from Peter Wayland. So that's where his loyalties lie. They don't lie with Meredith Vickers. Yeah, it would um, be mutually exclusive. David is a really, really, I, 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 I'll say it. I mean, David is a really well thought well executed android very complex um the scenes where he's uh repeating lawrence of arabia and he's dyeing his hair and he's kind of learning trick mr potter yeah finding that it hurts that's a really iconic scene to me um and that's the weird thing i know we're talking about androids but one of the why prometheus in my mind works really well is because of david and there's some really iconic moments with david um, one of the things that I've been turning over in my head uh, since we've been really digging into philosophy and alien especially, um, I went on a trip to an art museum recently, and I know I told you about that, and they had a bronze replica of the Statue of David by Michelangelo there. Okay. And I was just thinking, you know, David and Goliath, you know, the, the Statue of David yeah. is supposed to be a perfect representation 
of a human being at the time by Roman standards. And then David, by many um, characteristics, is flawless. You know, Peter Wayland refers to him as perfect, and he's the son I never had. Yeah, or the closest thing to a son he'll ever have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there could be a dynamic there. You know, maybe David is kind of the modern interpretation of David and Goliath because the Prometheus is uh, the ship, and Prometheus itself is named after something from, I think, Greek or Roman um, mythology. Yes, yes. Prometheus was, uh, I can't remember. I don't want to speak out of my ass right now. (laughs) (laughs) No, but basically he, his liver is eaten out every day um, and then grows back and then eaten out by a bird. Um, Yeah, he is in, certainly in mythology. It's very, very, very interesting. I don't know the full tale of it right now either. He is a uh, titan in Greek mythology, best known as the benefactor who brought fire to mankind. Yeah. He sided with Zeus and the ascending Olympian gods in the vast cosmological struggle against Cronus and the other titans. So it's just uh, Greek Greek mythology. Yeah. And, you know, obviously the ship is named Prometheus. Um, there's so much going on. There's a lot of subtext there and a lot of some heavy handed subtext, but it it, it was interesting though, uh, getting back to the androids, um, in every film, androids are, are dismembered. They're disembodied. Um, certainly Ash by, um, Parker and then Bishop by the queen alien in aliens. And then, um, in Prometheus, it was by the engineer. You know, David has his head torn off. It's very, very interesting that they keep doing that in these films. They keep dismembering aliens. And then in Alien 3, um, Bishop, which I haven't even mentioned, of course, Bishop is in Alien 3. He's the android in Alien 3, but he's already dismembered. Um, that was a really fascinating, there was something really beautiful, um, the moment that Ripley has with Bishop when she plugs him in to find out some information, and he's all kind of tore up. Um, but there's this care that he has for Ripley um, that... Whether it's programmed or learned, um, he cares about yeah, Ripley and yeah, her well-being. Yeah, and he's like, I like your haircut, you know. Um, there's just this warmth to him um, and almost protection about Ripley. Of course, at that point, you know, he's a torso and he's missing an arm and, you know. Um, but the the way that they executed Ripley, that's I'll give it to ADI for building that prop or building the animatronic. It was when I remember, I I mean, even watching it again, you'll see his, um, his mouth move when he's speaking. It's flawless. Even today, flawless. It's the, one of the most amazing animatronics I've ever seen. Well, Um, I mean, you have to consider if you look at a person after they get into a car crash and they try talking or anything, they're going to be kind of messed up. Yeah. So they really went far with that, but that raises another question. Speaking of Bishop and alien three, what is your theory on, Charles Bishop, I think that's his name, in uh, Alien 3, or Bishop 2, or whoever. Opinion as to whether he was a, an android or not? Yep, it's like uh, the Deckard question of Alien 3. <laughs> well, I know that um, 85 hits him over the head with something, and he starts bleeding, and his blood is red. Um, so he's like, no, I'm not an android. I'm the one who designed it. I'm very human. Um, I, I actually believe that. I think he was human. Um, it was, it's interesting. I mean, I suppose he could have been an android, but you hit on something that's very interesting um, in terms of 
the Decker question, whether, you know, that Bishop, Charles Bishop or whatever, was an android. And uh, there's a lot of discussion. And even in the, um, the behind the scenes of Prometheus, there was text written that Prometheus, the alien universe and the universe of Blade Runner are shared. Um, right. That, uh, that, that was like a bit of an Easter egg. Yeah. Um, it was like a memo, uh, about the Tyrell corporation. Peter Whalen mentioned something. He said, yeah, I have a friend who does this and that. And then I think he makes a mention of JF Sebastian in there too, or something. Maybe what I read was more of a, an account of these two, uh, engineering geniuses and they kind of both went off in their own direction. One was Tyrell. And the other one was uh, Peter Wayland, um, and Tyrell was wanting to perfect uh, his cre- creations, but uh, Wayland was more like, "No, these things need to be useful to us." Um, but I, I like that. But it, it, I like that it, it's kind of going off in a little bit of a different direction. But you know, we're talking about all of it, so uh, I like the idea that uh, these universes—they're so rich that I'm fine with them being connected. I'd much rather have Blade Runner connected to the Alien universe than to the fucking Predator universe any day of the week. Oh yeah, um, I I do actively enjoy the Predator films, not as much as Alien. Yeah, and me I do too. Like Predator two more than the first. Yeah, and, yeah. And I get burned at the cross every single time. <laughs> um, but um, there's there's a lot uh, that the androids offer in this series, and my personal take on Bishop two is that he is human. But there are a lot of interesting fan theories. Like one of them could have been that. Uh, he had his synthetic fluid replaced with like a red colored one. So it appears like blood. I see. And uh, another one was that the blunt trauma from the hit would have killed a normal person. Like, cause I mean, he got hit in the head. Yeah. And his ear was hanging knife. off. Yeah. He would have been dead. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. who knows? Yeah. It's just, uh, some for the bean counters, I guess. Yeah. And, and it's interesting as well how um, androids are explored in the Alien series where um, they, you know, for, certainly with Ash, Ash had a hidden agenda. Um, Ash wasn't on the, on the, on the side of the, um, of the Nostromo crew. And even um, when he's going to open the airlock for Dallas and Kane and Lambert, um, Ripley was clearly like, no, that wasn't standard procedure. And doubt. And Ash was like, well, you know, uh, he Too said, to, he said to open the door and she goes, Ash, and her hatch open. when, when, when Dallas is off the ship, I'm senior officer. Um, like Ash didn't know, but he did know because he was there to harvest the creature. But what's interesting too, again, about Ash is I think the company knew from day one, that they were going to pass this planet. That was the whole idea. That's why they switched Ash with the other science officer um, at Thetis or whatever Thetis was, I guess a station or space station or whatever. Um, the company knew all along. Um, and I, you know, it, it brings up other questions for me too. Like is the company that employed, that was employed, like, so she was told the, the Nostromo was towing ore, but, does this company own everything? Like, is this company behind everything? Um, and just representing the company is this cold, calculated machine. Um, 
because the company is without feeling. They're not human. Um, that you know, they they want a web uh, this organism for a bioweapons division, and so they sent someone or something there that would get that for him. That would not be um, distracted by emotion. Yeah, and um, I don't know. I think I brought this up months and months ago on a discussion about Ash on the Wayland Yutani Bulletin. Um, but I propose that maybe built into Ash's computing systems or whatever was a uh, psychological scanner. Maybe he was conducting psychological tests on the crew of the Nostromo while they were um, induced to all the shock and all the events and everything, and maybe he was sending back results to um, Wayland Utani. Yeah, which I, I, you know, I think you're absolutely right. I think that Wayland Utani was um, monitoring it from the beginning, um, and you know, because I mean, if you just look at the way that he like looks at things, yes. like even at the dinner table scene, like he knows what's going to happen. Yes. He just kind of looks. Yeah, yeah. Which almost opens up. Ash is kind of like the window into. It almost tells me that they've tried to harvest this creature before, um, and so they're trying again. Um, because Ash seemed to, like you said, he was looking at Kane. He knew something was going to happen. He knew he wasn't going to be okay. Um, Ash represents, there's so much going on in him. He, again, a very complex character. He's a robot, but he's more than that. Which is funny because, I mean, if you just take the guy at face value, it's like, oh, he's an asshole, and he doesn't care about anything. But... He cares so much about the ulterior motives that Wayland Utani has in him and in the ship's computer that uh, he's not going to stop short of getting it. Yeah. And he almost succeeds. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting because in a spinoff novel um, called Out of the Shadows, it takes place between Alien and Aliens. Um, basically, the narcissist gets picked up by a deep space salvage team. Okay. And it's not the one at the beginning of Aliens. Okay. Um. It's like these people out in space, and they come across her uh, signal, so they pick her up and everything. And basically, uh, Ripley is involved in this uh, planet that has aliens in it. Uh, somehow, there's alien eggs on this one planet in the bottom of a mine shaft, and there's like a derelict. And um, she gets involved... And she kicks ass, Ripley style. <laughs> and at the end of the book, uh, she has her memory wiped. And the main character uh, sacrifices himself so that her and um, Jones can go about their business. But the cool thing is is that before he uh, killed himself, or before he got killed and burned and everything, um, Ash actually put himself into the narcissist computer. So he was acting as an AI inside of her spaceship interesting interesting yeah wow. and that was long-winded and no worthy, but whatever <laughs> no no I, I really i want to read that i mean i i'm not much for reading expanded universe stuff but alien has a place in my heart the saga has a place in my heart that very even my favorite film of all time the dark crystal it's almost as much um so i i'm, I'm gonna take a a, a look at that and, and read it i think it's great um but, uh, I mean, I, I guess, 
I'll talk about Call for a minute in Alien Resurrection. I don't really like to talk about her because I don't think she, you know, she ended up being Ash all over again, but not as interesting. And she ended up really being an android. flat. Yeah, she was an android in name only. And they talked about burning their modems and blah, 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 blah. But nobody cared because just nobody cared. Um, But so she just, she ended up just being a face. She wasn't really that interesting of a character and she had a similar reveal that like ash had in, in some way in terms of oh she was shot but she's still alive she's an android no you no human is this humane um <laughs> uh, which i thought was was funny um but you know it, 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 she continues that abcd um you know chronological order. yeah 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 um but it's, it's going to be interesting to see um what kind of android is in uh, Blomkamp's Alien um, or Aliens film? Uh, Apart from, uh, say, Bishop? Yeah, well, I'm sure Bishop is going to be a part of it to some degree. I I don't know. Um, It's really, you know, because the, you know, well, first of all, Ash, um, in Alien, he was really, you know, he was not out to do good things. He was out, he was there for company reasons. And then all of a sudden by aliens, there's all these new androids in there who cannot harm or allow to be harm, harmed a human being. Um, and so there's this been this big kind of paradigm shift. And I'm, and I'm always curious, well, why? Like, why all of a sudden are, will you make ones that, like, what happened? I'm interested, like, what happened in the AI history that you felt like, we can't have this happen because if the company was controlling Ash, like they didn't have a problem with it, you know, like the, the weapons division was more important than the lives of this crew. Um, and then of course you have David kind of doing similar things where he kind of jeopardized, uh, well, he just didn't jeopardize Holloway. He killed him essentially. Um, but then by aliens, um, you have this Android that's very compassionate, um, very human too. in very, in very many ways, but, um, very compassionate and protective of humans. And I'm interested to see how that happened in, in the history of Weyland Dutani and the people who build these things. Yeah. There had to be something along the timeline in uh, Weyland Dutani technology that whether it was like an accident or like an event or something pivotal where, um, they just realize they need to make things better yeah. because Wayland Utani built better worlds. Yeah. And androids would be an integral part of building a new world. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting too about androids, um, certainly in the alien films, but I, the, the need for them, I guess they're like, uh, I, you know, in this, I'm kind of diving into some more philosophical ideas, but, um, do, does, does Bishop have rights? Is, is he a sentient Android? You know, um, is he self-aware or is he just programmed to seem like he's self-aware? I'm interested in kind of the, the, the history of these Androids and I would love, and Prometheus explored that in some of the, the media that they released running up to, like, I don't remember the videos about David, which I thought were fascinating. The, uh, the, the, um, the what's what am i looking for the campaign the campaign that led up to the release of prometheus was brilliant um having all those little kind of all the marketing and everything yeah the marketing the clips of david and getting to know who david was i thought it was beautiful and just it was 
in, in, in many ways, it was more interesting than the film in some ways. I mean, again, I still, I still watch the film. I, I, I still love it in my own way, even though I don't love it. Um, but David really, they really fleshed out, um, kind of the, the lore of, of androids in a way that I haven't seen in the alien universe before. And I thought it was really, really great. Yeah. They definitely bring a lot to the table. And I think that's, uh, that's really cool. Oh, I should ask you this question too. This is, uh, I've talked about this a lot or with other people. Do you think that Meredith Vickers is a droid? Do I think that Vickers is a droid? Um, a lot of me wants to say yes. Me too. Because it wouldn't make sense for Wayland to just make a son. Yeah. Um, because a daughter could be like the full package too. You know, like he can't have kids for whatever reason. You know, he's a billionaire. He could get anything he wants except for kids because kids would be something that money can't buy. Yes. And he can't do that. So instead of making kids, which he can't do, he will create android children. And David and Vickers looked a lot alike, blonde. They dressed in similar clothing. Um, and I know uh, Peter Whelan, by that point, I think he was 100 years old, 102? Um, 104. 104. So, so say Meredith Vickers is 38, 39 in Prometheus. So you're talking when this man is almost 70, he sired a child, a daughter. Um it just didn't, I don't know, it doesn't make plausible sense. And I heard, you know, this is something I was reading back when there was a lot more um, attention given to Prometheus in terms of his sequel, that Meredith actually wasn't killed by the derelict or by the juggernaut that fell, that rolled over her. In fact, that in Paradise, the sequel to Prometheus, um, you're going. To, they're going to go back there and you're going to see her um, kind of not come alive, but they're going to, there's going to be a team that's sent there and they're going to recover her. And then they're going to start go. And then, then they're going to go after Shaw. Um, but I, I, I love the idea that, um, Vickers might be a droid. I think it's completely plausible. And there's even a scene in, you know, Prometheus where, um, Idris Elba's character's name. I can't remember. Um, Yannick. Yeah. Yannick. He asks her, are you a droid? And I know that was kind of put in for uh, comedy effect, like uh, comic relief, whatever. Yeah. But, uh, but that, that was a pretty good question. It is, and she didn't really answer it. Um, My room, 10 minutes. Yeah, um, which that, that scene is kind of stupid. but um, she, And she might not know she's a droid, which kind of plays into the whole, is she a replicant? Is this a shared universe? What is she? Um, and I really, really hope she is a droid. I really do. And I hope that they continue to explore her. She was a fascinating character for me. I mean, as, as difficult, I had such a difficult time with Prometheus in terms of characters. Hers is one that I felt like had some dimension, um, as opposed to Shaw anyways. But, uh, and I think if they could, if they do bring her back, um, in, in, and kind of reveal that she's a robot, I think it's going to really make the, the film interesting. In a, in a very interesting way. Um, I think another question to ask is, um, do you think the androids in um, the Alien and Prometheus series, do you think they're going to be like the replicants in Blade Runner where they don't know that they're uh, replicants? I think probably um, it would make sense that some do and some don't know. Um, Bishop was, seemed to be a, you know, Bishop wasn't, 
a part of the military because he signed up. It appeared to be that Bishop was a part of the military because they owned him and he was made for it. And he was a service Android and he knew that. Um, and he was very aware of what he was. Um, and, but then, yeah. And I think some probably are aware of what they are and some aren't, you know, some are just programmed to, I mean, I'm sure they had pleasure models like in Blade Runner. Um, again, you know, the, the, the droids in, there's a real big parallel between the droids in Alien, the Alien universe, and the and the replicants in the Blade Runner universe. Um, I think that there is some really tangible connection there. Um, Even though Blade Runner is uh, set like 80 years before Prometheus um, in the chronological timeline, yeah. I can definitely see it happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I hope that they really um, explore that more. But uh, it, it is interesting getting back to kind of the dismemberment of droids in each alien film or showing an alien three, you know, there's showing, um, uh, Bishop dismembered again. And even in alien resurrection, uh, call isn't dismembered, but she, you know, she Ripley kind of patches her up and that will be the, every film Ripley does that in aliens. She did that with Ash and aliens and aliens. Wait a minute. I don't think she, no, she didn't do that in aliens with Bishop. She kind of patched him up, but she didn't turn him on. And then in alien three, she turns on Bishop and kind of, but she's always got her hands in the droids, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think exploring that subtext um, as to why they have her do that, why she's repeating these kind of these same types of these same situations. Um, I, I'm, I'm interested to know. I, I'm big on subtext. I'm big on kind of understanding the actions of what, what, what we're saying and what they imply. I don't know what you think about that. There is an interesting parallel, I do think, because that kind of solidifies Ripley's status as a mother figure. She's always patching somebody up or taking care of somebody. Yeah. Um, which says a lot about her as a person. Um, but the androids that she doesn't have a trust or care for, she ends up always taking care of them at the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah Except her... for Ash, even, even though she did take care of him. <laughs> and she, you know, obviously, you know, in, in Alien, she turns him on because she wants answers. Um, and then in Alien 3, she turns on Bishop because, again, she wants answers. Um, and, but this time it's different. It's a bit of a more of a sympathetic relationship between her and Bishop. Um, but, yeah, uh, I, 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 I just think it's, it's really, really, really fascinating, um, even the inclusion of androids, um, because there's, they didn't really need to do it, but there's a reason why. Um, and of course, a lot of science fiction stories have androids in, you know, in the plot. And of course, Blade Runner being, you know, the big one, um, it's essentially about androids in many, many ways. Um, yeah, they're at the core of that story. But you have these, you know, you have these alien creatures that are terrifying, um, that, you know, either they're being chased from or no one's believing or whatever. And then you have these droids there too. So there's, these kind of these these pockets of humanity, these kind of, these flourishes of humanity, almost even in, um, in Bishop, Bishop's very interesting because he's got this compassion and this, he's almost more human than human in, in a way. Um, he's got a lot of compassion. He's, he listens to Ripley. Now I don't know if this is programmed for him or this is just who he is, um, in terms of his own sentient being sentient. Um, but then you have, you have David, who isn't very compassionate, even though he might seem like it sometimes, 
you know, he's got this insidious, these insidious um, ulterior motives for doing things, for infecting Holloway, for um, getting that, the the big face hugger or whatever that thing is, the big squiddy thing, the trilobite out of Shaw. Um, so there's all the, and if anything, David is more human-like than um, Bishop. David and Ash have more in common than Bishop does. Bishop seems more human than human. Well, I mean, Bishop seems like the ideal human where he's compassionate and loving. But David and Ash are just like everybody else. They're 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 there for their own their own benefit. And you know, um, Bishop is essentially, or Ash is essentially Burke, um, and as is David in a certain way. I mean, you see that in. Um, in, people in general. Yeah, and people and in corporations where corporations put their profits before people. And essentially Ash was there because profits were before people, as was David. David was there for Peter Whalen's benefit because Peter Whalen was more concerned with um longevity, which is so very interesting too, because that's what um Roy Batty was was interested in longevity. Yeah. Longevity. Yeah, yeah. How do of, I? Um, yeah, a lot of parallels. And um, you know, you go, you know, in in Blade Runner, um, Roy goes to Tyrell, and he's like, "I'm interested in longevity." And then you have Peter Whalen going to the going to the engineer, saying, "I want longer life. I want longer life." So you have these very similar questions being asked in Blade Runner and in Prometheus. And again, I you know, and I, I've said this before. I think um, Prometheus is a masterpiece of a film hidden inside a, uh, a not very good film in some ways. Um, but there's really grand questions being asked where you have creator asking, creation asking creator, I need longer life. And then in another scene, you have creation talking to creator, like um, throwing, throwing questions at him like, well, you're asking me these questions. What do you think if your creator says these things to you? You know, how do you, why would you feel? Um, again, Prometheus is riddled with some really interesting and important questions. While it answers many, it does bring a lot more up too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm interested in. I've seen. Let me just. I'll just ask you. Um, I've seen um, a photo in Wayland Yutani, and someone said, "Oh, they're androids from Isolation, but they don't look like any android I've seen in the Alien universe before." What are they? Uh, the Working Joes in uh, Alien Isolation are basically. Um, Think of like when you go to the store and you buy, you can buy a name brand product, you can buy the store brand. Um, the Seeks Incorporation is like the store brand of technology. Okay. Um, they're a competitor to Wayland Utani. Um, and they manufacture synthetics and they're called Working Joes. And they strictly just do labor intensive tasks and they do computer stuff. Um, things that would uh, take a long time for a human to do, they can do more efficiently. But since they're only just for work, they don't have facial expressions, their voice is really computerized, um, and they have very violent tendencies. Really? Mm-hmm. I like that uh, name, Working Joe's. That's great. That's really that's some genius writing there. You always know, Working Joe. <laughs> and they say some really creepy shit, too. Um, cause most of the game, they're your antagonists along with the alien. Interesting. Interesting. So you don't know whether to trust them or what? 
Right, so you can go around, and if you don't bother them, um, they won't really get mad at you. They'll just kind of look at you and walk by. Huh. Uh, their eyes turn red when they're violent, and they say some things like, tut, tut, or they'll be like, uh, ask me about Sevastopol's safety protocol. Interesting. Uh, they'll just say some really weird things, or like running causes accidents. Running causes, that's great, that's creepy too, though. Really, really creepy stuff. Like, you'll just hear them in the distance, like, uh, uh, remind me to talk to you about trip hazard safety or things like that. And it's just like, oh, my God, what was that? And then it's like, oh, it's an android. And then it's like, oh, wait, it's an android. Yeah. Because um, you, you can't kill them unless you use a gun, uh, essentially. It takes forever with a wrench. But if you <laughs> use a gun, it'll attract the alien. Oh, yeah, the sounds, the, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But basically, they're just these really lifeless um, androids that just do labor-intensive, work-specific tasks. And that's about it. When I play Alien Isolation, which I will at some point, I'll probably buy it And uh, now that it's cheaper because it's been out for a while. Um, I, I, I will investigate all of that. But uh, I, I think that it's – I love androids. I love – I've always loved films that deal with androids and kind of our relationship, you know, kind of going off a little bit on a tangent though. Battlestar Galactica is really humanity's relationship with its own creation. Um, oh, Cylons, right? Yeah. And how the creation almost understands man better than man understands themselves. And um, I, I think Alien kind of plays into that a little bit. Um, there's the scene in Alien where Ash is talking about where Lambert goes, you admire it. And he goes, I admire its purity. And he's not, you know, and he talks about, he's not, um, distracted by, um, well, I can't remember the exact words that he uses. Illusions of remorse. Yeah. Something like that. Um, and of course that creeps them out. Um, but there's something very, there's something very mechanical about the alien. And I think Ash can identify with that. Um, because he's there, not to make friends with the crew. He's there for a reason. He's there to collect material. He's there to collect, to help collect a weapon. Um, and Ash himself was also not distracted by delusions of morality, um, which made him so dangerous. So, so dangerous. I mean, he basically gave Yafit Koto the purple nurple and just kind of said, ah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and even there's, there's a lot of talk, too, that... Um, him rolling up the the magazine and forcing it down Ripley's throat was like a, a an oral rape scene because he couldn't he couldn't um, and this is just speculation and philosophy but that because he didn't have sex organs um, that in many ways though Alien is a film about rape yeah that's what they say I don't know if I buy that you know uh, and I've heard you know even an Alien three um, a lot of that was talked about you know there's even a track I think. Um, called Space Rape on the soundtrack of Alien 3. But of course, I, I, but I do understand even with Geiger's um, imagery, the face hugger, it's like kind of impregnation, it's kind of oral rape. And even in Prometheus, you have that big phallic um, creature going down, um, not Fifield, but the other guy's throat. And it's weird, but it's also oddly sexual too. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I think that probably there's a mix of that. I don't even, I don't, and I think, you know, and there's always the, the idea that um, the idea of rape for men is way more terrifying because men are usually the ones in control. 
Um, with women, it's a fear that they deal with almost on a daily basis. But for men, it's a, it's a whole different level. So you have this creature that essentially rapes a man in many ways that a woman would be raped in some on some levels. Um, and then you have that kind of manifesting in Ash a little bit where he's stuffing something down Ripley's throat or he's trying to. You know, now he it's it's interesting that he does pick up the nudie magazine when he does that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's subtext there. Just looking around and he sees the posters and magazines. And that'd be interesting to see. And I know, you know, the alien films aren't really about the droids, but at the same time, droids have been in um, been in each of the films. So it's certainly something that they're interested in. But, you know, do they have a sexuality? Do they have do they are they built with um, or are they purely function? Um, it seemed like that they're pure, they're purely function, um, but we're only been really introduced to droids that have uh, have assisted in missions. Um, Call was a little bit different because Call was kind of on her way to the Ariga. Um, to I don't know why she was interested in Ripley for whatever reason, but um, but uh, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see if they explore um, synthetic life. Um, I know that on uh, one of the alien comic books, uh, before they did the name change from Hicks and Newt to Wilkes and Billy, there was a character in there that uh, Billy's character had sex with, and it turns out to be an android, and it, she didn't know it. Interesting. Uh, that was way back in the day, and I don't know if any of the alien comics can be considered canon at this point, but probably not. Yeah, I don't know if there's an official um, decree from Fox what's canon and what isn't. I heard well, something. Then again, they consider Colonial Marines canon, and that's utter bullshit. But well, if Fox plays their cards well, and the next two films, if a- if Blumkamp's Alien is legit and it's good and a good film, and Paradise, the sequel, the sequel to Prometheus, I don't know if that's the official title. That's the speculation. If they're good films and they write the ship, finally. Um, Fox has a, a a pretty interesting universe in their hands, so um, they it, they'll be in a place where they can say, okay, we're going to move forward in this universe and make more films, and this is canon, much like uh, Disney did with Lucasfilm, and they kind of declared a lot of the expanded universe that had come before as not canon anymore. Um, they didn't discard it completely. So, but I think Fox is going to need to do that. Fox, I think, needs to distance themselves from. Alien versus the Alien versus Predator films and the inclusion of Wayland and Utani in those films um, to kind of create a really cohesive world. Oh yeah, because uh, Alien is definitely world centric. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, narrative based. So we'll uh, have to keep our fingers crossed for the future. Yeah, we'll see what uh, it uh, what comes to pass. Thanks everybody for listening. I know this this one's a little bit short, but. Uh, there's not, you know, there's a lot to talk about, but not a ton, but we felt like it was a worthy discussion to have. Thanks for listening. Yep. The trick, William Potter, is not minding that it hurts.